Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Without any further ado, I want to welcome uh, Pastor Kevin Shores to this pulpit. This is the first time he's speaking in this house, and I know many have come just to hear him this morning. And, uh, and, and in this house, we say amen. In this house, we say come on. In this house, we say bring it down. And as a pastor, as a preacher, I preach thousands of sermons, and uh, it's always good to know your, 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 your audience is with you. And so I want you to put your hands together for the very first time. Pastor Kevin Shores, come. Bring the word, brother. Come on. Somebody say preach it. Amen. Come on. Bring it down, bro. Don't hold back. Well, good morning. Awesome. This is surreal. Uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Kevin. I have the honor and privilege of serving the youth here at Dream City Church. And uh, when, I was, when I grew up, when I was a kid, man, I went to uh, another church here in town that Pastor Doby was the, the pastor over. And I remember going week after week and, and going home and going, I want to do that one day. Like looking at Pastor Doby. And so the, the, him introducing me is super surreal. Uh, so I want to thank you for, for everything that you've meant to me in my life uh, but yeah, my name is Kevin. I'm, I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, this is my wife right here, Naomi. Naomi, if you can just raise your hand. Uh, Naomi and I have been married for six and a half years now, seven years in April, and it has been the greatest seven years of my life. So uh, if, if I have not gotten the opportunity to meet you, uh, we're going to be out in the foyer after service. I would love to meet you. I'd love to shake your hand. If you have teenagers, sixth through 12th grade, uh, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we have a, a youth group. This Wednesday is our Christmas party, so this Wednesday is going to be a fun week. We're going to play some games, win some prizes, uh, and then we're going to take a little break for the holidays. But after that, it's every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, would love to see them there. Uh, well, Pastor John has been doing something the past couple months before he started his sermon, uh, and, and he's, been, he's been pulling out dad jokes. And, and I figured as the youth pastor... Uh, it would be a disappointment for me to come up here and not participate in this. Now, now, now I'm not a dad, but don't worry. I, I've consulted other dads. Like, I, I've, I've looked into their corniness and tried to figure out, like, where they get their jokes from. And, and I, I found one. So you guys ready? All right, all right. What did the Romans say, to, what did the Romans say when his wife was eaten by a tiger? Gladiator. Oh. I hope that was corny enough for you guys. I hope it was dad joke approved. That, that one was actually brought to you by my brother. My brother is a dad, so don't worry. I got it straight from a dad. Well, this morning as we, as we dive into the word, uh, we, we've been reading through, like Pastor Doby said, reading through the Bible chronologically and, and this past week, we read through 2 Corinthians, and then we, the second half of the week, we started through Romans. And, and I, and I want to read, uh, I want to focus on Romans chapter 3 this morning. But before we focus on it, last week, uh, Pastor John broke down the, the love of God. And he broke down uh, the 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and John 3.16. And, and he described John 3.16 as the gospel in a verse. And then he gave us the challenge to go home and, and to ponder the love of God, 
to, to ponder what, what, what we had learned, and he challenged us of, do, do we just know about God's love, or, or have we truly received God's love? And, and I love that he gave us that challenge this week, because this week was the week that we read through Romans, and, and just as John 3.16 is, is the gospel in a verse, I would even go as far to say that the book of Romans is the gospel in a book. It's like Paul took the gospel and goes, how can I come up with the most cre- like, like descriptive explanation of the gospel all the way from the wrath of God to his love and mercy? And, and, and he does a great job of doing that. And if you've read through the book of Romans, if you read through it re- this week or if you've read through it at all, uh, you know that the first three chapters of Romans is not an easy read. The, the first three and a half chapters of Romans essentially is Paul taking a hammer and just hammering every single person in the world on the head about how terrible we are. Like, like it, it's full of, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You're, like, we even get the, the, the famous verses of no man seeks after good, no man is good. And it, and it really is just three chapters of bad news. Like, these are not three chapters you go to when you're looking for, like, that one encouraging verse. Like, the, these are not the three chapters you go to. And, and what Paul is doing here in these first three chapters is, is what a lot of modern uh, day people would, would call like a hellfire and brimstone pastor. And, and a lot of these hellfire and brimstone pastors, they, they, might, they don't get necessarily a, a good rap. Let me just tell you, like, it's not a bad thing to, to talk about the bad news. Now, now, it's not healthy just to talk about the bad news. Because if all you're doing is talking about the bad news, Pastor John preached a sermon uh, a few months back. It's one of the f- my favorite sermons I've ever heard where, where he talked about God as a loving father compared to a, a righteous judge. And if all you do is talk about the bad news, then you're going to see God as only a righteous, fa- or a righteous judge, and you're going to have an issue seeing him as a loving father. But, but it works the same on the other side. Like the good news is, is exactly that. It's good news. But, but, it, but without bad news... There is no need for good news. And so, so there has to be a balance here, and, and this is what Paul is doing. He's starting it out with bad news so he can help everybody understand that, that, that we need a Savior. And this is not the first time we see this in the Bible. Like, this is something that all throughout continuously in the Bible we are seeing bad event, good event, bad event, good event, all the way from the very beginning in Genesis, like Adam and Eve. God comes, God says, you can eat from any tree. Except that one. You eat from that one, you die. And what do they do? The the, the serpent comes, he deceives them, they eat it, and God comes, and and now they are cursed. Like, all people forever are born into sin now because of the mistake, the sin of Adam and Eve. That is bad news. But what happens a few verses later? Like, God comes, and he confronts the serpent, and he goes, I'm going to send a seed through the woman, and he's going to crush your head with his heel. Bad news, good news. Joseph gets sold as a slave. Bad news for Joseph, but little does he know that God is using that for an opportunity for the salvation of Israel. Bad news, good news. All throughout the Bible, we are seeing bad news and good news. And and oftentimes what happens is if we only focus on the good news, man, man, Pastor John talked about last week, he, he challenged us in and how do, we, how do we receive from God? Like when we're reading our Bible and the Holy Spirit convicts us of something, is our response, no. No, like I'm not doing that. This is what you owe me. This is part of the deal. Like I want this, I want this, I want this. Like is that how you respond when tough times come? Or is it God, I, I thank you for what you've done for me. Like and I want to give my life in service to you. Like which one is your response 
Because if your response is the, is the first one of you only want what you want and you want nothing, uh, you want to do nothing for God, you just want things from God, might I challenge you that maybe, maybe when, when you heard like the good news and you raised your hand for, for salvation, you raised your hand uh, for, for the, the sinner's prayer, maybe you, you raised it with this expectation of this is going to be something where only I get things from God and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to sacrifice anything. And, and, and don't get me wrong, like, I'm not judging you if that's you. That was me. For the longest time, it was. I, I only wanted things from God. I didn't want to give up anything. I didn't want any repentance. I don't want, want any change in my life. And so, so if this is you this morning, please don't feel judged. That, that was me at one point. And, and so th- there's, there's a few different types of people in the room right now. And, and, and I would say that the, there, there's, there's some people in the room that maybe you've never heard the gospel. Maybe you've never even heard the word gospel. You've never heard the story that, 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 that we are sinners and, and God sent us Jesus. Jesus came through the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sin, and, and was raised from the dead for our justification. Like, maybe you've never heard that. If you've never heard the gospel, that, that's what we're going to go through this morning. There's other people in the room that you're already identifying with what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, that's me. I, I respond that way when times get hard. Might I challenge you, like, God, God loves you. God, God wants a relationship with you. Like, you don't have to sit here feeling condemned. God, yes, is a righteous judge, but also is a loving father. And, and then there's, there's, there's another type of people in the room where, where you've been in church for years, maybe your entire life, and you've been saved for as long as you can remember, and you're sitting back in your chair right now, and you're going, Kevin, the youth pastor, is preaching it's his first sermon. He picked the easiest topic in the world, the gospel. Like, I'm just going to sit back, let him do his thing. I'll give him like a pat on the head after, and, and, and we'll just go from here. And, and, and might I submit to every one of you in here, whether or not you have never put your faith in Jesus or you have been a Christian for as long as you can remember, every single person in here needs the message of the gospel. So, so why do we need to hear the gospel? So first off, Romans 1.16 says, uh, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. So, so you ready? The gospel is the message and the only message that can save. And, and the message of the gospel is not only the good news, but the bad news, the fact that we are a sinner and we need a savior. The, the, that verse also says that it is the power of God. And some of us are, are struggling with sin. Some of us are, are, are fallen into addiction, and it seems like we will never break free of it. And we need the power of God in our life. Might I submit to you that what you need is the gospel. The gospel is what produces the power of God in your life. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing, but not by hearing anything, but hearing the word of God, the, the, the message of God, the story of God, the gospel. You, you want to grow in your faith? You want to go to another level in your relationship with God? Fill yourself daily with the gospel. Man, I, if, you, if you have ever heard me preach, which unless you've been to youth, you haven't, uh, but, but I am obsessed with this word gospel because for the longest time, man, it was just a word that in my, in my brain it was, that's a one-time thing. Like I only, I, I raised my hand for that, to that message and now like the gospel is only for unbelievers, that could be the furthest thing from the truth. You can ask Naomi. I am so obsessed to it to a point of like, I, she'll catch me preaching the gospel to myself on a daily basis because we need the gospel. And so this morning, 
We're, we're going to read through a passage in, in Romans chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verse 21 through 31 uh, out of the New American Standard. Grab my... There we go. This says, but now, but now, before, before we move on, all throughout Scripture, we see these two words, but now. Who here is thankful for the but nows? Like... <laughs> If when there's a but now, that means we just got slapped in the face. It, but, but don't worry, because here comes some love and encouragement and, and, and some strength for the future. It says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God have been, has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. But it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished for the demonstration that is of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? Is it, has it, it has been excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, by the law of faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of law, or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith is one, do we then nullify the law through faith? Far from it. On the contrary, we establish the law. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and powerful. Lord, your gospel is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is still saving till this day. We thank you, Lord, that your word teaches, uh, corrects us, rebukes us, and trains us for righteousness, God. We ask this morning, Lord, Lord as, we, as we listen to, to your word, as we hear your word, would you do those things in our heart? In your name, amen. So as we read through these 10 verses in Romans chapter 3, uh, there, there's, there's three questions that I find here that I want to talk about. And these three questions, they, they might seem basic. See, we've already talked about the word gospel, and, and for a lot of you, that word gospel uh, are like me. Like you, you used to think, uh, okay, I, don't, I already know what that is. So these three questions might seem basic, uh, but, but might I assure you, these are encouraging questions to walk through. So, so the first question is, what happens at salvation? The first question we see uh, in, this, in these 10 verses is what happens at salvation? And we find the answer in Romans chapter 3, verse 24. In that verse, it says, we've been justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And in this verse, we, we see a word, and it's, it's, it's a big word. And it's a pretty common word, I would say, for, for anybody that's been in church for, for a long time. But, but even though it's a, a big word, and even though it's a common word, I would say it's, it's kind of a misunderstood word. See, la about last year in youth, we, we went through a series called Christianese. And the, the point of this series was to really break down Christian words that are used all the time, but don't really get a lot of description behind them. And, and this word right here is one of these words. It's the word justified. So justification, if, if I were to ask, raise your hand if you've ever heard that word, justified or justification. See, see, most of you have heard that word, uh, but if I asked the, the, the next question of who could tell me what it means, like I, I would venture to say uh, it wouldn't have as many hands up. 
See, this word justified, that the definition of being justified means to be declared righteous. So to be declared righteous, another way to look at this is that when we put our faith in Christ, what happens is there, there is a swap, meaning our sin goes on the cross and the perfect righteousness of God comes onto us. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. Our sin is in the past. He doesn't bring it up. He sees the perfect, sufficient sacrifice of his son. A, a perfect biblical illustration of this is the, the man on the cross next to Christ. Like the, the two themes that, that are mocking Christ. And then something, there's a switch that flips in, in one of these, these two thieves. Like there, there's a switch that flips. He's mocking Christ. But then just randomly he goes, Lord, remember me. And what does Jesus say? He, he says, you'll be with me in paradise. Like, instantaneous. So the dude did nothing other than say, Lord, remember me. Like, I, I, heard, I heard a preacher once describe this of, of what, it, what it had to be like in heaven for this guy. Like, you know, this guy was in heaven, and, and there were angels and, like, like, disciples and saints coming up to him going, how are you here? What did you do? Like, how many hours of discipleship classes did you take? How often did you read your Bible? How many hours of volunteer did you do? And, and you know the man's just sitting there going, I don't know. The guy on the middle cross said I could come. <laughs> like, that, that really is, like, like it's, a, it's, it's a funny, imaginative story, but that really is the reality of what happens at salvation. When you put your faith in Christ, it doesn't matter if you live for 100 more years or you die right there. If your faith is in Christ, God sees the perfect sacrifice of his son, not your sin. A more modern uh, illustration of this is, is, is if you were in court. And I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been in court. Uh, but, but if you've ever been in court, <laughs> if you've ever been in court, man, depending on, on, on what your what your crimes have been, let's just say you got a bunch of speeding tickets. We, we got a lot of people in here who love to speed, right? <laughs> you, you got a bunch of speeding tickets, and, and you're, in, you're in court, and you got a stack of speeding tickets. And you owe like $10,000 worth of fines. And, and that judge looks at you and says, what do you have to say for yourself? Now, if you, sit, if you stand there and you look at the judge and you say, uh, I don't know, what, I'm sorry? Like, I'm sorry that I sped? That judge is going to look at you, and, and he might say, I'm glad that you're sorry, but, but then they're going to say, but, but something has to be paid. There, there, has, there, there is a consequence to your actions. I'm glad you're sorry, but something's got to happen. Because if that judge looks at you and says, oh, you're sorry? I'm glad that you're sorry. You're free to leave. If that's what happens, that makes that, that judge a corrupt judge. And God is not a corrupt judge. So, so, so God needs a, a sacrifice to cover our sins in order, not to, or in order to let us go free. Justification is we're standing in court. We got the stack of speeding tickets. And somebody walks into the courtroom with a $10,000 check, hands it to the judge. The judge looks at, looks at it, looks at you and says, your debt has been paid. You're free to leave. Instantaneously, the, the righteousness of another person that you did not do anything for has now paid your debt, and that righteousness has now gone on to you. You're free to go. This is what justification is. Now, now, why are we able to be justified? Let, let me just tell you, every detail in the Bible is important. 
Like, it, every detail is important. Now, I'm not saying you, you're going to understand every single thing. Like, the, our job as Christians is to grow in our relationship with God. And that means growing in our understanding. Uh, but, but just as we got Christianese words, I, I would even say that there's Christianese stories in the Bible that we hear all the time but sometimes overlook. I mean, one of them right now, we're in the Christmas season where we, we, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, but, but as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, Jesus was born to, to the Virgin Mary. And if you were to even ask people not in church, like that have never been to church, odds are is they'll be able to tell you like, oh yeah, Jesus was born of a virgin. Yeah, Virgin Mary. Like, like this is just a thing that most people know. And this is something that I never really until a couple of years ago stopped to ask the question of like, why is it important? that he was born to a virgin. And I don't know if you've ever asked that question to yourself either. But even though it's a small question, it's a very important fact to know. See, Jesus was born to a virgin because if Jesus was born to a non-virgin, this means that Jesus would have been born under man. And if Jesus would have been born under man, he would have been born into sin and he would have not had the power to atone for our sins. This is why it's important that he was born unto a virgin because he was born unto a virgin, which means he was born of a miraculous generation, not of ordinary generation, but the generation produced by the Holy Spirit, which means that he then has the power to do and accomplish what he was sent here to do. That that is why it's important that he was born to the Virgin Mary. Another one that we constantly look at is the death and resurrection of Jesus, the, the most important story in the entire Bible. But how many of you have taken the time to ask or, or ponder the question, why did it matter that he was raised from the dead? Like his death, and, and this was for me too, for the longest time, I, I, didn't, I didn't even care about that because his death was enough for me. I was like, the dude was willing to die for me. I, I don't need to understand everything. Like I just accept the fact that the, the dude died for me and then perks for him, he was raised from the dead. Like, like that was my mindset for the longest time. And, 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 and I fear that there's a lot of Christians that that's, that's the same mindset. So what's the importance of the resurrection? Well, we find this answer in uh, the next chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 4. Do we have that? Oh, okay. Romans verse 4, verse 25, it says, He who was delivered over because of our wrongdoing, so, so Christ delivered over for our sins and was raised because of our justification. So, so that second part right there, he was raised for our justification, raised because our justification. This is what the resurrection means. This means that when God chose to raise Jesus from the dead, this was God's stamp of approval that the, that the sacrifice of Jesus was perfect, that it was sufficient, and that it was enough to save all people from their sins, past, present, and future. That is the importance of the resurrection, and that is what it means to be justified. Instantly saved, instantly all your sin forgotten in the eyes of God. Jesus' resurrection, the justification means that when God looks at us, if you were to die right now, if your faith is in him, when you stand before him, man, it's, it's not a shame. It's, it's a well done, good and faithful servant. And so we, we look at these 10, these 10 verses and, and we look at the question, what happens at salvation? The, the next question that I want to look at uh, is another common question. And that question is, how are we saved? Now, a super common question, and if you've been in church for a long time, you can probably give me the Christianese biblical answer. 
And that's what I'm about to do. I'm going to give you the Christianese biblical answer. We're saved by grace through what? Through faith. So it's very simple right there. We are saved by grace through faith. But how often do we know that we're saved by grace through faith? And how often does that, does that answer really reflect how we live our lives? Like, I, I think in, in the church we have an issue understanding that grace is free and that it's through faith in Christ, not through faith in ourselves. See, see I, I think one of the issues of this, and, and this might step on toes and I'm sorry, I'm not, not really sorry. Uh, I think one of the issues of this is, is this motivational way of reading the Bible. And man, I, I grew up in a youth group that was super motivational. Like every single week, it was pastor gets up, pastor is, is just the entire time. You got it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And, and whatever passage of scripture it was, you got it. You're a David. You're, you're going you're gonna to take your stones and you're going to throw it at Goliath and, and you're going to kill your sin and you're going to he- hold its head up and you're going to put the head on your shelf and you're, you're going you're gonna to frame it because you're a champion. Like, and as a teenager, and if you have a teenager, you know teenagers are emotional and teenagers buy into hype. And so every single week it was, I got to go because I got to get my hype fix. But what would happen is every single week I would go and every single week, week, week I would get excited and I would get hyped up. And every single week I would go home only to cower into my sin. That temptation would hit me and instantly that, that power that I thought I had, that, that, that courage that I just got from all that hype would go away. And I think when we read the Bible this way, look, when you read through the Bible, there are principles all throughout the Bible that very much apply to our, our lives. But when you read through the Bible, one thing I love about this year is Pastor John has done a fantastic job at making it clear that the Old Testament is not us, it points to Christ. And, and so the reality is, is when we put ourselves as the main character, when we put ourselves as David, we are putting ourselves in the position of Christ. And, and it doesn't matter that, that David had five stones and that we have five, we'll miss all five. Jesus already overcame Goliath. Jesus already overcame our sin, and it only took him one stone. It only took him one shot. This is why it's so important to read through the Bible in its proper context. Like, it's okay to, like, I'm not against, like, reading encouraging verses, but make sure you're reading your verses in the context. Because uh, one of the first things I remember Pastor Angel talking about when, when I came here, when she was preaching a sermon, she, she said something super profound. Ready? It's scripture interprets scripture. So, so we don't interpret scripture. Scripture does. And we're we're going to get into that here, here a little bit later. But, but, but if we read the Bible this way, what we're going to do is we're going we're to put a pressure on ourselves to perform. And, and guess what? It doesn't matter how amazing, how gifted you are, you will never be able to perform to, to the level of your own salvation. See, oftentimes we read the verse, the verse 24, it says, being justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oftentimes we read that, go ahead and keep that up there. Oftentimes we read that and, and, and we read it and we see that as truth, but oftentimes the way we live our life would, would make it seem like this is how we read it, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in us. And man, you can't save yourself. You won't save yourself. Like, you don't have the power to. That power comes through faith 
in Christ, not through us. See, when, when, we, when we try to perform, what ends up happening is, is we end up thinking that salvation is not a reward for, or, or that salvation is a reward for the righteous. When here's the reality, salvation is not a reward for the righteous, it's a gift for the guilty. This is why it's so important to understand that we're sinners. This is why it's so important to understand that we're guilty. Every single person is born a sinner and guilty before God because if we don't understand that, then what's the point? We, we won't look for a savior for the right reasons at least. I remember a few years back uh, for Christmas, I remember getting this gift, and, and I used to be one of these people, like, all of you probably know somebody like this, but you try to give them advice, and it doesn't matter what you say, like, it's just, they throw it away. You're like, I have the best advice for you. I don't care. Like, to a fault, I used to be this, uh, but mostly for, for things that didn't apply to me. Like, if somebody was giving me advice about something that had nothing to do with, uh, with my life, I just didn't really care. I'm growing in this area, I promise. Uh, but a few years back, I remember, I remember getting this gift from my parents, and, and Naomi and I, we, we opened this gift and opened the wrapping paper, and we see this picture of, of an air pump. And my parents don't know this. So this is the first time they're hearing it. Uh, but we see this picture of, on this box of an air pump, and, and everything on the outside is going, yay. Like, and if you grew up in my generation, uh, you grew up watching Lizzie McGuire, like, it was a Lizzie McGuire moment. Like, on the outside, it was, thank you. But on the inside, there was this animated Kevin going, what are you doing? Like, I have a mechanic that changes my oil. And when I take it to change my oil, they fill up my tires. Why do I need an air pump for tires? And I don't know if I actually had issues after that moment or if I just started to notice, like, when the tire pressure light came on. But every time it came on, it was, I can fix that. I don't have to pay somebody to fix it. Another one was my dad used to constantly tell me ever since I started driving, every two or three times you fill up with gas, you need to check your oil. Okay, check, make, make sure it's not low. Did not care. Because for the longest time, like I had never had issues with my oil. I took the, the car to the, the mechanic for an oil change every so thousand miles and I never had issues until one time I took my car to the mechanic and they said, uh, you're not supposed to drive with no oil. <laughs> and, and that's the point is without understanding that we need something, we don't care about it. And so as we talk about grace and talk about being saved by grace through faith, in, in Romans 3.22 there's a word that it says, and it says, the, verse 22 says, but it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all of those who believe. That word believe there, believe and faith are often like intertwined with each other. That word believe there is used in a present tense verb, which means believing in Christ is not a one-time event. Yeah. It's not a, I raised my hand for salvation, I said the sinner's prayer, and, and now I'm done. I can go and do whatever I want with my life. It's a, daily, it's, it's a daily repentance, a daily acknowledgement that, that Jesus is king and, and that, that you serve Jesus. Believing is active. Believing is daily. And this is why we need the gospel daily. Because if, if, if our faith is strengthened, if our belief is strengthened by hearing the gospel, and if you're not filling yourself with the gospel, man, you're going to put yourself in a position where you are trying to fulfill the needs that you need. It's not going to work. But, but faith, 
Faith is more than just head knowledge. So, so hear me. Head knowledge is not bad. Okay? The word doctrine is not bad. Okay? It, it, Paul talks about being sober-minded, being able to think, being able to study and understand. Head knowledge is not bad, but that's not all that faith is. Faith is, faith is more than just head knowledge. Faith is a life commitment that comes out of the knowledge that you have received. So faith is taking what you know and applying it to your life. And as we talk about faith, it, it stirs up another question. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that Paul does this when he writes because Paul just wrote for a couple verses about faith. And it's almost like he knew that the church was going to ask this next question because he answers it for us before the letter even gets to them. And the next question is this, does faith replace the law? Because you know there's Christians that when they see this, if Paul doesn't answer it, they're going to go, oh, I just have to put faith in God. Then I can go do whatever I want. I don't have to obey the law anymore. The law doesn't matter. But Paul gives us this answer uh, in verse 31. It says, do we then nullify the law through faith? Far from it. On the contrary, we establish the law. The, the New Living Translation uh, says, it, says, says it in a little easier way. It says, do we then nullify the law through faith? Oh, I'm sorry. That's not it. The New Living Translation says, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So, so two realities here. The law, has been or the law has been fulfilled through Christ. We fulfill the law through faith in Christ. So, so the reality of the Christian life is the law has been fulfilled. And if we put our faith in Christ, that law has been fulfilled. But the law is still here. Okay, We are still faced with, with the reality that as Christians, we are to follow the law. Which is kind of difficult it's kind of difficult to do on your own. See, see what happens for a lot of, for a lot of Christians, and, and, and me included, is when we get this mindset of I can save myself or I can do it or, or I can fulfill the law, what we're doing is, is we're looking at the Ten Commandments. And when we look at the Ten Commandments and we're faced with temptation and we try to overcome it with our own strength, what that's like is it's like having a mirror on the wall smiling in the mirror, seeing you have some dirt in your teeth and then taking the mirror off the wall to try to clean out your teeth. It's illogical. It doesn't work. That's not how you're supposed to do it. We don't use the law to save ourselves. The purpose of the law is to, is to show us that we're sinners and then therefore point us to the person that has already fulfilled it. So how, how do we live as a Christian if the law is still there? Man, man there's, there's this idea going around, and, and, and I know where it comes from. It, it comes from this lack of understanding of what it means to be justified. But there's this idea going around that, that once I become a Christian, I will not have to deal with any of sin, any temptation. Look, if that's what you believe, I'm just going to bluntly tell you that's not true. Okay? We still have a flesh, and we still battle every single day. Like if you struggle with sin, welcome to life. So, so what do we do? How, how do we live our life? How do we live our life 
with, the, with the, the reality that the law is still here and we are still confronted with sin. Very easy. You ready? The gospel. The gospel is the, is the power of God. But it doesn't just produce any power. You ready? The gospel produces power for sanctification. So here's another big word. Sanctification. We got justification and we got sanctification. You know, justification is to be declared right instantly. Sanctification is to be in the process of being declared right. So these are two kind of words that they they kind of seem like they contradict. But but let me just tell you, if you ever read the Bible, and again, I'm not judging, this, this is me, happens all the time. If you ever read the Bible and something contradicts in the Bible, all it means is you just need to dig a little more. You need to go a little further because, look, the, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The Bible's not wrong. We are. Okay, so don't get discouraged by that. So, so what, what do we do about these two things, about the fact that we are instantly made right, but at the same time we are in the process of being made right? Well, we talk about being in a courtroom and being instantly made right when somebody pays that fine. Well, that's justification, but then what's sanctification? Sanctification is, okay, my fine has been paid. I am been made right, which means if I were to die right now and stand before God, well done. God looks at me as his son, as somebody that is covered by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus. I walk out that courthouse. I have been justified. Sanctification is when I get back in my car and see the speed limit that says 45 miles an hour on something that should be 60 miles an hour and going, okay, I can't go that speed limit. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do that. That sanctification is the process of being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14 says that for by one sacrifice, he, but Jesus, by his sacrifice, he made perfect. He justified instantly those who are being made holy. He justified us who are being made holy. He made holy us who are in the process of it. So, so what do we do? H- how do we face sin head on. Well, usually when, when it comes to, to, to how it happens with me, it, it usually goes one of two ways. It's usually there's a temptation and the temptation comes and it's face to face. And, and the, first, the, the, the first option that, that never works is I get tempted and it's, oh, temptation. Ten commandments say this. I'm not supposed to do that. I got to stay away from this. I got to stay away from that. I got to stay away. Can't look at it. Can't focus on it. Can't do it. And what I'm doing right there is I'm giving all my focus and attention on the very thing that I'm trying to stay away from. And Paul even says a couple chapters from now in Romans that the more that the law appears, the more we realize we're sinners. Like, you cannot save yourself with the law. But then there's the other side. Don't give the attention to the law. The law won't save you. Give the attention to the one who has already fulfilled the law. So when temptation comes, you sit there and, and you realize that temptation is here and you go, God... I can't stop. I can't overcome that sin. And I realize that, that the temptation that, that Satan is offering is, is, a, is a need that I think I need fulfilled, but the reality is, is it's already been fulfilled through you. And so God, I, I trust in you. It won't fulfill. But this is why we need the gospel. Because without a daily pouring out of the gospel into your heart. You're going to go up against sin thinking that you can do it. 
thinking that you're going to overcome it on your own. When the gospel produces power for your sanctification and points you to the one that already overcame it. This morning, if you could stand to your feet. As we close this morning, there's, we're not going to have this, this big altar call. Uh, I, there's just two things. There's, there's two things I, I want to pray for. First off, if, if, you have, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you have never put your faith in God, maybe you're here this morning and, and, and this, maybe this is your first time here or this is your 50th time here, but, but maybe you've never come to the realization that, that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior. Look, the first, the, the first thing to do, the first step is to acknowledge that you need a Savior. And if that's you, if you've never put your faith in God, we're not gonna, we're not gonna pray a prayer. I'm not, I'm not gonna have you repeat after me. But when we do pray, between you and God in your heart, just, God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself and I need you. God, would you save me of my sin? So if, so if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I challenge you. The Bible says that the time is now. We don't know, we don't know what happens tomorrow. And then there's others of you in the room that, man, I, I, I say this because I've been there and I, and I struggled with this. And it's one of the most exhausting things that a Christian can go through. But you have this idea that, that you can overcome it, that your own strength is enough, that, that you can save yourself by obeying the law. And look, it's exhausting, I know it. It's exhausting and it's, it's tiresome. It'll make your relationship with God, look, the, the, the abundant life that we talk about is not that. The abundant life that we talk about, look, God wants to heal and God wants to bless. Do we know how that's going to look here on earth? Not necessarily. When we get to heaven, we got that covered. But the abundant life here on earth is the peace of mind of knowing that we are saved through the sacrifice of Jesus. And we don't have to worry uh, about every single minute detail, but we can trust in the Father. And this morning, if that's you, Man, I just want to pray a refilling, a refreshment, of an encouragement of the Holy Spirit over you. So God, we, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, that your word draws us unto you. Lord, that your word convicts us, but it's not, it, it's not a bad guilt, but Lord, it's a loving drawing to you, Lord. We ask, Lord, God, would you help us to understand that you are a righteous judge and at the same time understand how much you love us. God, I pray if there's anybody in here that has never put their faith in you, Lord, would you continue? Your, your word says that your Holy Spirit is what draws people unto you. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you draw, would you give courage to live a life for you? God, for anybody in this room that, man, they've been a Christian for a long time, but it's getting tiring and it's getting exhausting because their, their, their strength is not found in you, it's found in themselves. God, I pray, Lord, a refilling of your Holy Spirit. We need to constantly, daily, when we wake up, be refilled, refreshed by your presence. God, I pray right now, Lord, would you refresh every single person in this room with your Holy Spirit, that when we go home and we face those temptations, it won't be a, I can do it, but we can be a, Lord, you already did it. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are with us every second of every day. Lord, help us to remember that. Help us to constantly 
believe that. Lord, we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Do you appreciate that word today? Amen. My encouragement to you, listen, if, if you're here today and, and that was the first time that you have heard the good news, the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus Christ, I think, it's, I think it's fitting that we talk about it during this time because the Bible says that it's a gift. It's a free gift, a gift of grace. And as we think about the gifts that are under trees and the gifts that we're buying and the gifts that we're receiving, let's remember the greatest gift that has ever been given to any, any of us. And so my encouragement today, if that was the first time you've been presented with the gospel and you placed your faith in Jesus Christ today, before you leave, just stop somebody and say, I prayed that prayer. I prayed and I, I, I accepted God as, as Jesus as my personal savior. I recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I, I made that decision, that commitment today. You glad you came to church this morning? Amen. Hey, listen, on your way out, just want to say thank you to those of you that, that have already dropped off uh, your Christmas presents for Release Ministries. Again, there's like six hours. If you didn't get one, you can get one, run and grab some, bring it back. But, but be blessed today, church, as you're dismissed. If you haven't met Kevin, Kevin and Naomi are going to be out there in the foyer. Stop by, uh, get to know them a little bit. Love you. Have a great week. Be blessed. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. We hope that this message helps serve one of those three goals, and we encourage you to check out our past sermon series and online classes, no matter where you are in your walk with Christ.